In this portion of Luke's gospel, Jesus is drawing ever nearer to Jerusalem to the end that only he really knows. He is always talking to his disciples, trying to squeeze every last bit of teaching he can in the short time he has left on earth. As the Gospel of John tells us, having loved them, he loved them to the end. And in recent weeks, we've heard about the dishonest manager, the rich man and Lazarus, the mustard seed, the widow, and the unjust judge. And Jesus uses these parables, these metaphors, to remind the disciples how they are to live after he has left them. Now, Jesus never really leaves the disciples, but after he is physically gone from the earth. And we take lessons from them too, all these millennia later. And today's parable is no different. In fact, I think it is one of the most important ones we can hear right now. And in all of these parables, in this whole section of Luke, the disciples are right there with Jesus. So when he's telling these stories, he's talking to them. And so he's speaking directly to some of his closest followers in verse 9 when he said, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Last week's gospel, the story of the widow and the unjust judge, spoke of the power of persistent prayer. The widow prayed and petitioned and prayed and petitioned to the judge to hear her. And Jesus tells us that we pray and we pray to God and God will act. Today's parable warns of the problem not of persistent prayer but of presumptuous prayer on the part of this particular Pharisee. Now, not all Pharisees were bad. I'm not saying that. That word, though, has kind of taken on a bad connotation. But some of them did go a little too far. And this guy was one of them. Even to the point of keeping himself physically separated from others in order to maintain his ritual purity before God. And this guy does just that. He stands by himself. He begins his prayer with a simple address, God. But then his prayer continues in the first person. I am not like them. I fast. I give. Yes, his prayer is one of thanksgiving, but it is a self-serving prayer. Thanking God that he is not like others people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even that tax collector. Yes, he's aware of the tax collector's presence in the temple, but it is only an awareness of contempt. This Pharisee has enough religion to be righteous, but not enough to be humble. 
Jonathan Swift once said, we have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. The tax collector, too, stands far off, but not to maintain any kind of purity. He feels he is in a position of unworthiness before God. He cannot even assume the traditional posture for prayer, looking up to God, hands raised. Instead, his head is bowed and his hands are folded. In anguish, he beats his breast and begs God's mercy as he acknowledges his sin. Fun fact, in the right one rubric, in the right one liturgy, when it comes to the line, though we are not worthy through our manifold sins, the appropriate gesture is to smite the left breast with the right hand. And the parable ends in verse 14 with a familiar lesson. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's where the parable hits home for me this week. If you were here week before last, you heard Bishop Benfield's message. If you weren't, let me just give you a couple of points. He invoked the names of two diametrically opposed individuals in the same sentence. And he reminded us that we have to see them equally as children of God. This week I was witness to the kind of damage and unwillingness to do just that can cause. I won't go into the details, but to suffice it to say that a Christian leader condemned in public someone seen as other, as unworthy of God's love. And that's pretty shocking to us, isn't it? How could someone do that in the name of Christian love? We want to think we are more like the tax collector than the Pharisee. We want to be humble in our petitions to God. But more and more we must guard against crossing the line into that presumptuous prayer mode. I go back to Bishop Benfield's message in which he referred to St. Peter's as one of the more liberal congregations in the diocese. And we responded very favorably. And we are liberal. We're liberal in our giving. We're liberal in our hospitality. We are liberal in our mission in the world. We can call out injustice and work for its end. We can speak out when someone is unkind or disparaging or violent to someone different. We can advocate for those forced to the margins of our society. And it makes us feel good, doesn't it? But it can't make us feel so good that we see ourselves as more worthy or more blessed than those people on the other side, theologically, scripturally, even politically. 
And when all is said and done, if it is ever done, what must we do? We are liberal because we believe in Jesus' liberality of love, compassion, acceptance. Love, compassion, and acceptance that must be open to all. What must we do? We must look to the central act of our worship. We call it the great thanksgiving for a reason. We give thanks at this rail each week for the grace of love, compassion, and acceptance given so freely to us through Christ, who having loved us, loves us to the end. No matter how we come, broken, hurt, grieving, lost. We say all are welcome at Christ's table, and that must mean all, Pharisees and tax collectors and all. At the nine o'clock service, when we deliver the homily, we either always ask a question or have a little discussion. If you've ever been a part of that, it's pretty cool. Today I asked them not a question, but to do something for me, and I'm going to ask you the same. As you go out from here, be aware of those people that you contact, either in public, through the news, anywhere, and try to see them as God sees them. Remember, God sees you the same way. Let us pray. Give us light, O Lord, that contemplating the love and patience of Jesus, we may be changed into love and patience. Take from us by the contemplation of his example all selfishness. Take from us all softness. Take from us all delicacy and fastidiousness. Take from us all cowardice and timidity. Take from us all self-love. Give us a share in his spirit of endurance. Give us a love of labor. Give us a love of the cross. Give us a love of hardships. Give us a spirit of courage. Give us a spirit of surrendered trust that we may be willing to spend ourselves and to be spent for the sake of your children in union with your self-giving love. Amen.